Hey, Christy, what do we talk about on our podcast? Well, Ashley, we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Like aliens. And ghosts. And cults. And cryptids. And witches. And murders. Yeah, even sometimes murders. Basically, we talk about all kinds of weird shit. Oh, I already said that. Oh. So yeah, if you like weird topics, feminist rants, and the occasional F-bomb, you should listen to us. We post new episodes every other Monday. Find us online at thatsweird.org. And subscribe to That's Weird on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Rock Candy. Hi. Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats of wine, women, and song from the Rated X world of music. <laughs> is it? It's not really Rated X. I bet it's not at all. That's, that's misleading. That's, it is incredibly misleading. <laughs> it's very misleading. It is, though. And we are women enough to be your hosts. <laughs> I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And tonight... We are talking Loretta Lynn. Yay. Yay. Country month continues. Country month. Still going strong. With pretty much the queen of country music. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be honest and say I don't know diddly shit about Loretta <laughs> Lynn. I don't know a single thing. Listen to her music today. Really enjoy it. Yep. I like it. I mean, I, I knew Coal Miner's Daughter and a couple. I knew like one or two other ones. Um, you knew Fist City because oh, I, I knew Fist City because I played that for you. Also, misleading song. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Well, from a woman who's singing about Rated X. Yeah, and then the yeah. song about Fist City. Rated- you might think that she's a much different woman than who she is. <laughs> well, in truth, Loretta Lynn is very different than most country music artists, especially ones that started out in the fifties and sixties. Right. So. She's got a story, and we're going to tell it. I'm, I'm excited for this story. Yeah. Um, and this episode's brew pairing is Kentucky Lightning. Kentucky Lightning. Cunt. fucked it up. <laughs> Kentucky Lightning. <laughs> now you really screwed it up. Go ahead. Okay. Well, that was funner. At least I get to say cunt. <laughs> From our favorite Two Roads Brewing, because yeah. you can never go wrong with Two roads. And it's ever. called Kentucky Lightning because two roads is from Connecticut, but it is sour mash beer that is aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Oh. So, and it, and I got that one because Loretta Lynn is from Kentucky. And Conway Twitty. And, and Conway Twitty, yes. I, I made you that part up. obsessed with Conway Twitty. Ladies and gentlemen. Conway Twitty. <laughs> All night. You're welcome. That's all you guys are getting. Hello, darling. <laughs> oh, it's Conway nice to see you. Twitty. Oh man, but um, we're not talking about Conway Twitty. We're, we're talking about we'll talk about him a little bit, a little bit. But we're talking about Loretta Lynn. So don't get your fucking hopes up, Con Conway Conway Twitty Conway Bros <laughs> Broway Twitter fans. <laughs> I don't know. Close Con- enough. Conbro Twitters. You're welcome, Internet. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Loretta Lynn. Yes, let's yeah. please. Please okay. and thank you. So Loretta Webb was born in 1932 to a very poor family in the hamlet of Butcher Hollow in the town of Van Leer in Kentucky. I know about that because she sings about it. Yeah, and she says Butcher Holler. 
That's that's how they say it. That's how you say hollow oh. in rural Kentucky. You say holler. So it's Butcher Holler in the town of Van Leer in Kentucky. This was a very isolated and very rural part of the country. Most families in the area were poor, but Loretta's family was also large, she being the second eldest of eight children. Loretta has this little song that you just mentioned. It's called Coal Miner's Daughter. You may have heard it. You may have heard it. The song is all about Loretta's childhood in Butcher Hollow and how rough it was being a poor coal mining family. Normally, autobiographical songs are a bit exaggerated, but by all accounts, this one was actually pretty factual. When she sings about how they didn't have shoes to wear in the summertime, it's true. They didn't. Yeah. You would get them at Christmas. Yeah. That's it. And you'd have to sell some livestock in order to afford them. It's fine. So, wow, wait. And this was 30s? She was born in 32. So yeah, oh. 30s, early 40s. So during the Depression, too. So <laughs> That's crazy. Woof. Her father was a coal miner at night and a farmer during the day, spending most of the days plowing the fields while her mother took care of the Webb clan at home. But when did he sleep? Never. Oh, okay. You don't sleep in Butcher Hollow. Did he take amphetamines? <laughs> Where would he get them from? I don't know. He made his own. Oh, you know what? Resourceful man. Moonshine. That's, that's, that's what he did. All right. Isn't that a depressant? I don't know, but if I took a shot of moonshine, I'd be fucking awake. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. And while Loretta and her family were never formally educated, they were quite religious. And her religious convictions were something Loretta would keep close to her throughout her entire life. Hmm. Although she didn't start professionally singing until her 20s, Loretta was always singing little songs to her brothers and sisters. While doing chores, she would fill up the accompanying silence by singing hymns and traditional folk songs her mother taught her, and sometimes she would also sing at community events and at church. And funny enough, when we did our cover songs episode, mm-hmm. I picked um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night right. by Nirvana. In the movie Coal Miner's Daughter, when they portray Loretta as a young girl in Butcher Hollow... They have Sissy SpaceX singing In the Pines, which is pretty much the same song, just a different version of Where Did You Sleep Last Night. So it's pretty cool. But singing was something she really never dreamed about. It was just something fun to pass the time. Yeah. Loretta's childhood was fairly short-lived because at only 15 years old, Loretta would get married and start a family of her own. Woof. Yeah. That's too young. Mm Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm Mm-hmm. No. Enter Oliver Vanetta Lynn Jr. This man is quite polarizing for me. Actually, he's not even polarizing. I'm just going to come out and say I don't fucking like him. All right. Period. So he's not polarizing. You just don't like him. I just don't like him. That's different than polarizing. (laughs) But like a lot of people really do like him. Oh, okay. Which is weird to me, but I, I guess. So what you would say is unpopular opinion. I don't fucking like him. Yeah. That's yeah. There. Um he to me he has very few redeemable redeemable qualities, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But Oliver Lynn, nicknamed Mooney and also Doolittle and also Do was born <laughs> was also born and raised in Butcher Hollow to a coal mining family. Also being uneducated, he had few options growing up. Basically to get a coal to get into coal mining or to join the army. Or, as a friend says in the Coal Miner's Daughter movie, your options are, quote, coal mine, moonshine, or move it on down the line. 
I would pick Moonshine. <laughs> well, so did he. Oh. Eventually. There you go. But first, he joined the army and served in World War II. So he moved on down the line. He, mo- he, he moved on down the line. All right. And then he came back, and upon his return, he found that the idea of a life in coal mining wasn't what he wanted, so instead he moved on to Moonshine. So, like, two out of three ain't bad. I suppose. I mean, I, I would take the Moonshine. Yeah, I would totally go Moonshine. I wouldn't mind learning how to make moonshine. Alternate timeline. We just make the moonshine. Yeah, pretty much. All right with that. But one fateful day when Loretta was 15 and Dew was 21. Whoa. They met at a pie social and fell for each other. A what? Like, do they just eat pie? It's a pie. Is that exactly what I think it is? Like, you you auction off pies and then you eat them. All right. I'm here for it. Yeah. Let's go to pie social. (laughs) Let's. We could have one. I want one. (gasps) So much pie. I fucking love pie. Yeah. Well, according to the movie, she, uh, Do, uh, bought her pie in the auction. Oh, I bet he did. And then he tried it and it was disgusting. It was Aww. like, what do you put in apple pie? And she's like, or he was like, no, do you put salt in apple pie? And she's like, no, you don't put salt in apple pie. It's just apples and sugar and cinnamon and whatever. And he was like, yeah, you mixed up the salt and the sugar. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and supposedly that's how they started talking to each other. That's funny. So they were married only one month later, and only a year after that, they had moved to Custer, Washington, so Duke could search for better employment opportunities. Okay. I guess that's upgrade? Do they not do high school? They didn't do high school, Yeah, they, they? Were, they were not educated. This was a community where coal mining was it. If you were a guy, you were in the coal mines. Yeah. From a very young age. School was not a thing. Your mother taught you the Bible and very, like, rudimentary education. Right. They could read. They could write. But Loretta wasn't... She didn't know no big words, you know? You know, and it's funny, too, to contrast that with Johnny Cash, because we just talked about that. How he grew up, he still went to school. They were still Mm -hmm. fairly educated. But they had similar, you know, that hard-working family life. Yeah. You know, you all worked on the farm. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how just different parts of the country, even in the 1930s and 40s, some places you just didn't get an education, some places you might. And that's so weird. And I think a lot of it has to do with geography. Because where Loretta grew up, it it wasn't mountains, it was hills. But it was very clustered together hills, very isolated communities. It was hard to get from one community to another. So, like, walking to school wasn't really an option unless there was a school in your town. And not all the towns had schools. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Whereas Johnny Cash kind of, he grew up in Arkansas. Yeah. So it's kind of flat in Arkansas. It is flat. Wow. So it's pretty easier. It's a lot easier to walk to school than it would be for Loretta. And also, I don't think, even though Arkansas was rural, I don't think it was so isolated. Mm. So, whereas Kentucky in these hills in this part of Kentucky was very isolated, nobody really gave a shit about outsiders and they just had their families, they had their jobs, they had the coal mine, that was it. It was a lot easier for for people out in Arkansas to socialize. Wow, that's just such an interesting... Life. It's, it's weird how geography influences things like that. And this, again, 
it was only 1930s and 1940s. This isn't that long ago. Yeah. But the way you talk about it, it sounds like the 1800s like to eons. me. And, and it pretty much, that area was unchanged for hundreds of years. That is so weird. Yeah. That's crazy. And even still, if you go to some parts of Kentucky or West Virginia or the hills of Virginia and stuff, you can find these small rural communities that really haven't changed a whole lot. Wow. And probably don't even have the internet. What? Yeah. That's not true. It is true. We drove through some of them. Guaranteed. Huh. Well, I think we we kind of avoided those parts. (laughs) We tried to. We tried to. But anyway. But Washington was much different than the hill towns of Kentucky. It wasn't very country. Mm -mm. There weren't any country radio stations or honky tonks to spend an evening at. Oh, no. And they didn't have any friends or family out there. So they were a bit lonely. And what do you do when you're all alone with nothing to do? Bone. Yep. Bone all the time. You bone a lot. Bone all day, all night. All day, all night. All right. Loretta was already seven months pregnant with her first kid when they moved to Washington, but by the time Loretta was 19, she already popped out three kids, and by 1964, she and Dew would have six kids altogether. That's too many kids. Yeah, and that was before she even had any sort of name for herself at all. Oh she already God. had six kids. That song, One on the Way, or whatever. Yep. That, that's, that was her. That's yeah, why she. That's that's, her. Yeah, that's why she took that song, and oh that's God. why she recorded it because she could relate to it so well. Also, like many things do, made me decide. Yeah, no, that was a good choice to not have kids. Yep, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I get it. For for a lot of moms, it's worth it. Guys, I do, I'm broken. I don't have whatever that switch is that makes you, like, want to have kids. The maternity switch? I don't have the maternity switch. Me either. And I'm sorry. I have the adorable puppy and kitty switch. Yeah. But... Or I'll have the... I'll play with your kids and I'll probably fuck shit up with them and they'll really have a good time, but then I'm going to give them back to you and you're going to be really mad at me because I fucked up your house. The only kind switch. of... The only <laughs> kid switch I have is they're, like, 10 or 11 and I can... I'm okay with 10 or 11 year olds. Anything else. When they hit that real misery stage, you look at them and you're like, yeah, I feel you. When they're like <laughs> on the brink of cresting that hill to teenage angst. Yep. That's, that's my sweet spot. I'm you're okay like, with that. You're like, here's a Nirvana shirt and a mixtape. You're going to be fine. You'll be fine. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. You're going to need this for the next six years, but you'll be fine. If you have questions, please ask. If you're feeling down, please talk to someone. Otherwise, go have fun. Yeah. Masturbate all you want. Oh, yeah. It's fine. You're going to want to masturbate a lot. And, <laughs> and just, it's fine. And it's fine. Don't be ashamed. It's fine. Sex is fine. Yes. Fucking wear condoms. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. As you can imagine, life as a teenage mother isn't exactly easy. Nope. Mm. At least she's young and spry. <laughs> yeah. She's got that going for her. She's got the youth going for her. Yes, she does. Dude didn't help make things any better. By this time, he already had an alcohol problem, and that would plague him for the rest of his life. Moonshine. Moonshine. <laughs> his name is Mooney, after all. Oh. After the moonshine. Huh. <laughs> One of his many names. <laughs> He's got a lot of names. Yes, like four names. It's ridiculous. He spent many nights out at bars drinking and philandering, then drunkenly sauntering home to Loretta, who was expected to bend to her sloppy husband's every drunken whim. Holy shit, she wrote a lot of songs about this. 
pretty much, much. I think all of her songs are her fucking yeah. life. All of the ones that she wrote herself, most of the inspiration for them was due. Because then she has that song like "Don't Come Home Drunk" and that you was know, that was you can sleep in this bed because you can't. Yeah. That was like for for due. That That's was yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There were constant fights that turned physical, and she even said herself that he was abusive and a womanizer. I'm not surprised. If you're surprised. I mean, he's a dick, period. I'm sorry, he's a dick. Doesn't sound like a great guy. I'm not really sure why people like him yet. Oh, just, just wait. Oh, God. He even abandoned Loretta once while she was pregnant, then again while she was giving birth to one of their sons. For the most part, at this point, she kind of just took it. What else was she supposed to do? This is 1950s rural America where the husband still owned his wife and she had no rights. So he just treated her like fucking garbage. She just had to fucking take it. Yeah. That's bullshit. And Coal Miner's Daughter, and I think her first biography, which is called Coal Miner's Daughter, um, I don't think she really touched on how much he abused her, Mm. but he was a wife beater. Period. Right. Like, they had multiple physical fights a week with kids. Right. With kids in a very small And this house. was arguably the time where you didn't call the cops. You just kind of took it and... Yeah. As yeah. the English would say, they had a bit of a domestic. <laughs> I fucking... Sure. It's, it's, a ter- it's a terrible topic, but I love the way they say yeah, it. Yeah. Leave it to the Brits. A bit of a domestic. To find a really... Polite, dainty way of saying something absolutely terrible. (laughs) But eventually, Loretta did start to fight back. Good. She would say that Dew, quote, never hit me one time that I didn't hit him back twice. Good. Still not a justification for his abuse. No. But at least she was fighting back. Yes. And giving him exactly what he gave to her. She even knocked his teeth out once after he got home from an evening of hard drinking. Apparently, he told her he was going to take her out one Saturday night. Well, he had already spent the evening drinking and an argument started when he got home. Since Loretta knew they weren't going anywhere at this point. She had a baby in each arm, set one of them down, and started to walk away from an angry dew. But he grabbed her by one of her pin curls and she swung around with a kid in one arm and the other with a blazing fist and clocked him right in the mouth. She knocked three of his teeth out, but he just walked away. So she did take him to Fist City. She did. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're not going out. You don't need these teeth. Boom. (laughs) That's awesome. So she gave it to him just as much as he gave it to her. Good. But it was still... I I wouldn't exactly call that healthy. No. I mean, that's the thing is it's... It's not good, but at the same time, it's good that she wasn't one of those wives that just cowered in a corner. Not that I'm... I mean, I get it. Everybody's different. I'm not trying to shame anyone for how you, you know... Abuse is abuse and it fucking sucks. Yeah. And here's the thing. She wouldn't fucking hit him if he never hit her. Right. She'd probably be a perfectly happy, helpful wife. Right. And but you get drunk and you come home and you hit her. You threaten your kids. Yeah, she's going to hit you and you deserve it. Right. I mean... The one redeemable thing about Do is that from everything I could find, he was a good father. Okay. He never hurt his kids. And when Loretta really made it big and she was constantly touring, he was home taking care of the kids. Right. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he was a 
wife beater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I don't think that that negates that was, it. It was like the one he redeemable just, quality. He probably just stopped hitting her because she wasn't home to hit. Exactly. Yeah. So. It's and he great. still had a major alcohol problem. And he was still cheating on her left and right. And expected her never to cheat on him. Right. Well, that's. So, that's still the thing, you know, if the woman sleeps around, well, she's a whore. But if the guy does it, well, that's just what men do. Well, it's just boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. They'll hit their wives and cheat on them. Grab and the wife's the just pussy. supposed to sit around and be okay with it and take care of the kids. And if yeah. she talks back, well, she deserves a little smack in the face. <laughs> so, as abusive and shitty as Dew was to Loretta, he was also her biggest fan and main source of encouragement and support. Huh. After hearing her singing around the house while doing chores and taking care of the kids, Dew realized Loretta had an amazing talent. Right. So in 1953, when she was 21, he bought Loretta an anniversary gift, a Harmony acoustic guitar that only cost him $17. She didn't know how to play guitar. She never said she wanted a guitar, but he bought her a guitar. It's almost like when your husband gets you this gift because he's like, no, I think you're really going to like doing this. Here's some skis. I don't want to learn how to ski. But it's really because he wants to go skiing. Yeah. So he's trying to make her do it. So if we do it together, however, this is probably the one out of ten that it worked. Yeah. But don't take this as encouragement, guys. This is really... Don't assume that a woman's going to want to do a random hobby that you've decided she should do. This is not something that Do thought that Loretta would really want to do. Do... Saw that she was a really good singer (laughs) and thought he could capitalize on her talent. Yeah. That's all this is. Which. And he he was was right. right. He was right. That's right. But I think his determination to make her a thing wasn't exactly a shared thing. It wasn't necessarily from the purest of intentions. I mean, eventually she really grew to love performing. But in the beginning... She didn't want to perform. She didn't want to sing in front of people. She Damn. didn't think she was very good. She just sang around the house. But he encouraged her to learn to play and would bring home copies of Country Song Roundup, a magazine that included the sheet music for popular hits at the time, oh. and she would learn as many songs as she could. He also encouraged her to perform and helped her get some small gigs at radio shows and local venues essentially becoming her manager, which was a dynamic they would keep for the rest of their time together. Interesting. This is still in Washington. Yeah, they're in, They're still in Washington. But country's not a thing in Washington. It's not. But they traveled around to the very few country, or the very few radio stations that would play country music. Oh, okay. And there were a couple, you know, clubs or bars that would play country or have country nights and he would bring her to these and tell the the house band, like, oh, my wife, she sings really good, so you should have her come up and sing. Hmm. So she would sing. They would really like her. They'd invite her back. And that's how that shit got started. Awesome. All right. And they were probably thirsty. They were like, yeah, give us some country. We need it. Yeah. <laughs> and in at- Washington. <laughs> and at some point around this time, Loretta's brother, Jay Lee, joined the Lynns in Washington And with his help on lead guitar, Loretta started her first band called Loretta and the Trailblazers. Oh. Which is a fitting title. Right. Because she is a trailblazer. Oh, yes. Very much. They played bars and taverns around the Custer area, 
but it was in 1960 that Loretta would get discovered. It was at a televised talent competition in Tacoma where Norm Burley saw Loretta play and he scooped her right up and signed her to the newly formed Zero Records. It was so new that Norm started Zero Records specifically to promote Loretta's music. Oh. He loved her. Wow. He knew she was going places. She has a great voice. Amazing. It's very, it's very dynamic. It's very, you want to listen to her. You want to hear what she has but to say. But it's also effortless. Yeah. It doesn't sound like she's trying at all. Right. When she hits high notes, when she's loud, when she's booming. And she's like Johnny Cash. She's a storyteller. Yes. You get into her songs because you want to hear how the song's going to end. Right. She really wanted to tell some kind of story with every song that she wrote. And whether it was, you know, about this woman in Topeka, Kansas, who is popping out babies, or the woman over here who wants to start taking the pill, or something like that, there was always a point to every song that she had. Even if she didn't write it, it always had to have a point. And she always had to relate to it. Right. Through Zero Records, Loretta cut her very first record, a song called I'm a Honky Tonk Girl. <laughs> it's so country. That's, that's some pretty country it's music like right quintessentially there. quintessentially country. This is a song that launched her career, but it wasn't exactly the sound she was going for. The West Coast had a different sound than Nashville did, and the song reflected that, but she was proud of it and wanted to promote it anyway. So she and Dew set off to promote the record, and they did it the hard and somewhat unconventional way. Hmm. They packed up their stuff into their own car and did a makeshift tour from Washington to Nashville, dropping in on radio DJs unannounced along the way, bombarding them with her record and begging them to play it. Which is pretty ballsy. Yeah. The moonshine probably helped. (laughs) Yeah. That moonshine had to help. Yeah. But they did play it, and by the time they got to Nashville, it was number 14 on the country singles chart. Wow. Yeah. So now it was time to get serious about this music thing, and to do that, they had to move to Nashville, the bustling hub of country music. All right. After relocating, Loretta signed on to Decca Records and immediately started recording more songs. She ended up being a songwriting machine. She would pen many songs about cheating husbands, infidelity, seductive mistresses, and surprisingly feminist issues. But she insists that her songs were autobiographical, most of her inspiration coming from her husband, Do. Yup. That's right. But another big inspiration to Loretta was her friendship with Patsy Cline. It started when Patsy was in the hospital recovering from a near-fatal car accident. She watched Loretta perform at the Nashville show Midnight Jamboree, where Loretta dedicated a cover of I Fall to Pieces to the singer. So Patsy got her husband to bring Loretta in to meet her, and the two instantly became good friends. They stayed close up until Patsy's untimely death in 1963 after her plane crashed in the Tennessee wilderness, killing everyone on board. (sighs) Patsy had a short and tumultuous life. Yeah, It was harsh. Don't ride a plane in the 50s if you're a musician. Seriously. Or the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. 50s and 90s were not good to musicians (laughs) in planes. Patsy was Loretta's pillar of strength during her early career. Patsy knew about Dew's abusive nature and sometimes even saw it firsthand. Oh, man. She encouraged Loretta to stand up for herself and speak her mind and even to fight back. 
And Loretta gained a lot of confidence from Patsy and from then on gave shit to do as much as he gave it to her. Good. But Patsy died young and unexpectedly, and Loretta took Patsy's death hard, but it would but she would continue to honor her friend's legacy throughout her career, even naming one of her twin daughters after Patsy. Aww. But Loretta's modus operandi was to basically get your shit together and get back to work. Mm-hmm. And that's what she did. By the early 1960s, she had already released her first single for Decca Records called Success, which reached number six on the country charts, joined the Grand Ole Opry, and solidified herself as one of the very few women to make a name for herself in country music. Nice. The first song Loretta wrote herself that cracked the top ten was the song Dear Uncle Sam. Released in 1966, it was one of the first songs, period, that dealt with the repercussions from the Vietnam War. Wow, really? Not something you would expect no. in 1966 and also from a, from country, a country singer. Yeah, from a female country artist. Yeah, that's... By by the end of the 60s, we had tons of those songs, but yeah, I didn't realize but they were like was one of the first to really... Yeah, they were like folk songs or rock songs or something right. like that. But Loretta was one of the first that actually wrote about it. Damn. And sang about it. The few women in the genre were mostly singing about romance or cheating husbands or the like. A woman talking about a hot-button political issue was unheard of. Go back into the kitchen! (laughs) Why are you wearing shoes and why aren't you pregnant? I was gonna say, why aren't you pregnant? Where's my sandwich? I'm not even married to you. Yeah, I still want a sandwich, though. Get me a beer. I don't know how to make one myself. (laughs) What's baloney? Fucking shit. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but Loretta really was a trailblazer, and this song was a launching point for her career as a controversial country woman. Oh. I could I could tell by her songs. And actually, hold on. I want to have a, a quick, like, segue for a hot second. Uh-huh. Because listening to her songs, I thought of something today. Why is it that, and maybe it's in other genres too, but I notice a lot in country... A lot of women write songs to other women about, like, hey, I'm not as pretty as you. Please don't take my man. Yeah. I don't feel like the onus should be on the woman. It should be on your man. Yeah. To not cheat on you. Yeah. Like, it really bothered me. I really thought about it. Because you have... Loretta has a few songs about it. I mean, Dolly Parton has Jolene. Mm -hmm. There's so many women in country music who sing about, please don't take my man. You can have anybody you want. Why are you taking my man? No, your man shouldn't fucking... If your man is looking at her and not you... Fuck him. Fuck him. But, like, now, like, physically, like, metaphorically... But, like, kick him out. Fuck him. Kick him to the the fucking Get the fuck out of here. Find a man who's not gonna look at another woman like that. Or, like, if he is, you can have a responsible adult conversation about it. Right. But he's not gonna fucking cheat on you. Right. So, no. I mean, it's not... Lesson to be learned here. It's not like you have limited choices here. Yeah. You have plenty of choices. Yeah. Your choice right now is to stay with a guy who's not good enough for you. Yeah. And that's the wrong choice. Also, you're worth it. Girl, you're worth it. Hey, girl, you're beautiful. (laughs) So Loretta's first number one hit would come shortly after Dear Uncle Sam. On February 11th, 1967, the song Don't Come Home A-Drinkin' With Lovin' On Your Mind. Yes! went to the top spot in the country music charts, solidifying Loretta as a heavy hitter in the country music scene. 
It would be the first of 16 number one hits she would have throughout her career. Damn, good for you, girl. She very much is the queen of country music. Seriously. And she's sassy. Yeah. Because Don't Come Home a Drinking with Loving on Your Mind was like, was also kind of unheard of yeah. in a way. It's like, you're out drinking all night and now you want to come home and fuck me, Mm-mm. but you can go fuck yourself because yeah. I'm not doing it. You can go sleep in the fucking doghouse. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> you piece of shit. The title alone kind of gives away the fact that it was inspired by Loretta and Dew's relationship. <laughs> like, really? Was Dew sitting there like, I wonder if this is about me. Yes. Yes, he did. You didn't just know it was about you? Yeah. Hmm. I guess he would ask Loretta all the time if like any of if a certain song was about him and she'd be like, maybe a line is. But really, the whole song oh is about God. him. Honey, and he no. just He just was, like, blissfully ignorant to, like, all of it. No. He was too drunk. He didn't care. I guess. <laughs> all right. It was also the first of many singles that dealt with feminist issues, another topic that was virtually unheard of from female country's music stars. This song, in particular, was about a woman who was sick of her husband coming home drunk and expecting sex, like we said. Yeah. The fact that she was kind of blatantly talking about sex was taboo. Women did not sing about sex. Oh, no. Period. Men could could make little, you know, nuances toward it. But Mm -hmm. women... Women had to sing about, you know romance i want to i want a man wanna who's going to hold my hands yeah oh marry me oh uh-huh. give me little butterfly kisses on my cheeks <laughs> ooh nah you know what fucking women are definitely way more like missy elliot like get fucking down there and get to fucking work <laughs> that's what women are really like yo whip it out let me see how big your dick is yo, basically me, yo give me that dick <laughs> I like your hand gesture. Yeah, Nobody can see it, but I'm definitely doing the give me that dick hand gesture. Like, you're like doing a baby grab. <laughs> dick, dick, <laughs> grabbing. It's basically what women are really like. I mean, women that like men. Women like women are like, yo, give me that pussy. <laughs> but her winning streak continued throughout the late 60s and into the 70s. Her second album, Fist City, went to number one, and so did the title track. My favorite fucking Loretta Lynn song. It is a really good song. It's so good. It's just about this woman who is confronting a mistress. It's like, you're telling everybody around town you're fucking my dude, but you need to step off and shut your fucking face before I punch you. You're you're in Kentucky, but you're heading straight to Fist City if you don't fucking look out. If you don't want to go to Fist City. Seriously, though. Better detour around my town. Okay. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. But Fist City went to number one, and so did the title track. And before that, her song You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man was an instant hit and still one of her most popular songs. But the song that everyone associates with Loretta Lynn has got to be Coal Miner's Daughter, which she released in 1970 to massive acclaim and popularity. I always figured that was one of her first songs, too. I didn't realize. Well, I mean, this was only about 10 years after she started. Right. Yeah, and I've just... I just always figured, like, that's kind of what she rolled out with. Yeah. still, nice. Yeah. It went to number one on the Billboard Country Charts and became a crossover hit, reaching number 83 on the Hot 100 list. Ooh. As mentioned before, Coal Miner's Daughter details Loretta's childhood in Butcher Hollow, 
appealing to many country fans that grew up in similar situations. From then on, she was known as the coal miner's daughter. Yeah. But Loretta was soon back to her old feminist tricks. Yeah. The early to mid-70s saw her release of a handful of controversial songs, One's on the Way in 1971, Mm -hmm. Rated X in 1972, and The Pill in 1975. I really appreciate what they considered Rated X back then, by the way. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's wearing a short skirt. She's Rated X. Mm. I don't don't think she is, guys. (laughs) But before we get into all these, it should be noted that around this time, Loretta started having some issues with her publishing company. Huh. When she first arrived back in Nashville in the mid to late 60s, she quickly signed a contract with the Wilburn Brothers Publishing Company. The Wilburn Brothers were a very popular country duo with their own television show that she appeared on pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Well known for launching many country singers' careers, but when Loretta signed a contract with them, it gave all ownership over her songs to the brothers and allowed them to collect royalties from any new songs she wrote from then on. So her solution was to stop writing songs herself and record those that others have written. Okay. Surprisingly, One on the Way was actually written by Shel Silverstein of children's book fame. Of mean, where the sidewalk ends. You mean nightmare fodder <laughs> on the back of that book yeah. for children, yeah. Shel Silverstein? Yeah, he was a pretty scary looking dude. Yeah, no. He, he was, he was again, a, like we talked about last episode, not great for kids he, physically. He was very much a baldy beard. No, uh, yeah, I kind of want to almost do an episode on Shel Silverstein now because we... We really I, could because I didn't realize, I don't, I didn't realize how, how prolific much. he is yeah. in the country music scene. Hmm. No clue. Look at that. Hmm. So, Once on the Way deal details the life of a defeated and overtired wife and mother stuck at home taking care of needy and crazy children while her husband has the time of his life drinking at bars with his army buddies. Yeah. Completely cutting down the idea of domestic bliss that all women were supposed to aspire for, Ones on the Way didn't really sit well with people. Women were supposed to be homemakers and love it. And the fact that a female country singer was saying, hey, this doesn't go so great sometimes. Guys, like, I know you think it's going to be like this, but it's not. Yeah, that shit's stuck in people's crawl real hard. Hmm. The truth? Yeah. Hmm. But... You know, there's just supposed to be pre- pretty singing ladies up on stage. They don't have uh, opinions and ideas. And... I, I'm still waiting on that sandwich. <laughs> I still don't know how to make one. <laughs> Some guy just walks up on stage and starts yelling at her. Where's my sandwich? I want a bologna sandwich. I still don't really exactly know what bologna is. I just like eating it. I can't find the mayonnaise. What? Where do you put it? Do you put it in the cabinet? Is it shelf stable? I don't know. Where do we keep the forks? I can't function. Come home. Where's my wife? Oh my god. Where is... I lost her. Oh my god. (laughs) But anyway. Yes. But One's on the Way was a hit anyway, despite all the controversy. Yeah. It's a good fucking song. 
Rated X was a song about the stigma of being a divorced woman in the 1970s and how women are looked down upon or looked at as tarnished goods or less of a human being because their marriage didn't work out. Right. At a time when divorce still wasn't much of an option for women, a famous country musician singing about how it's okay to be divorced didn't go over too well. But the song sold and it became yet another number one hit for Loretta. And she was not divorced. She was not divorced. This was also, I think, not a song that she wrote. Oh, okay. Because in the 70s, that's when she was having trouble with the Wilburn Brothers. Right, right, right. And she didn't really want to... Well, she wanted to write songs, but she didn't want to release them because then they would make money off of it. So she if she... kind of kept them in her back pocket. Right. And then just saying what other people would write. Right. Okay. Later on in the... Uh, just a few years ago, I think. I want to say 2013, but I don't sure. know... Or maybe sometime in the early 2000s, she took um, the company to court to get full ownership of all the rights to her music. Damn. Because I guess the contract was that the Wilburn Brothers would ha- would get royalties and have ownership over the music up until something changes with, like, the contract or with... Until something changes with the publishing company. Got it. Both of the brothers by then had died. Oh, come on. So that's technically a change in ownership yeah. and a change in the company. So yep. she took them to court saying, you know, these should be mine now. They should honor that. And yeah. I have a feeling she did not win. That's some bullshit. Which is, yeah, it's garbage. So after Rated X, The Pill was released. Oof. And, the and if p- we thought the other two were controversial. Yeah. Yeah. And also I should mention Rated X is called Rated X because in the song she explains that if you are a uh, divorced woman or a widowed woman, then you are Rated X. Right. And that's why you are tarnished goods, that you're yeah, Rated X because of Back that. then you needed to be a nice wholesome girl. Right. And if your marriage didn't work out, that's something you as the wife did. Yep, you, you fucked couldn't- up. You couldn't satisfy your man or you did something wrong. So you're the problem. And yeah. You're supposed to be a nice, sweet, wholesome wife. But you also have to be a crazy freak in the bedroom. Right. But then you also have to be a really good mom. But then you also have to be able to like juggle 50 different things at once. Right. You're supposed to be a freak in the sheets, but also the wholesome wife and mother in the public. You know, I'd like to be... A freak in the streets, but a lady in the sheets. Just to really fucking... Just to fuck with people. Just to really throw you a fucking curveball. Like, whoa, she's crazy. She must be wild in bed. Wow, she's she's quite vanilla. Huh. Interesting. And then you can actually tell people that you are not like other girls and not be lying. There you go. Boom. The pill was probably Loretta's most provocative hit. Obviously, it is about the benefits of birth control. Yup. It told the story of a woman pissed off about getting pregnant with one child after another, having been promised by her husband to see the world, but instead she's basically chained to a bed, popping out kids left and right. My God, that visual's terrifying. Right? Also, yeah, murderous and serial killer-ish in a way. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I'm sure there's been plenty of movies made about that. So... In the, in the story of the song, she gets the pill and gets her life back. But she also gets something else. Oh, no. Sexual freedom. Oh, yay! <gasps> My God! God. <laughs> Who gets that? What? No. 
gasp shot. I mean, like, oh. you could have whatever you want. I just want my sandwich. <laughs> if that's if you want sexual freedom, that's fine. I just want a bologna sandwich. Still, still not giving up on that. <laughs> still hungry. Oh. Ah. Oh well. <laughs> Poor husband. But women having sex for pleasure and not the sole reason of getting knocked up. People didn't want to hear that. But what it's a thing. Mad, what makes me mad, what makes me so fucking mad, is that that's still a thing. Is that that's still a fucking taboo. Is that women, we're not supposed to enjoy sex. We're sluts if we enjoy sex. Yeah. We're supposed to have babies and that's it. And like we were saying earlier about how, you know, there's still these places about internet and shit. There are still these places that say, you know, women are supposed to have 20 kids and not do anything with their lives. And if you enjoy sex, you're sinning and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's infuriating yeah because it's it's just human nature you know with men and women kind of have the same interests we all want a bone and that's fine yeah women like have the parts to get off yeah and we want to because g-spot isn't a mythical creature it's real i mean fuck your bologna sandwich just fuck me it's fine yeah (laughs) It, it happens so, to conservative country folk, this shit was totally unacceptable. So, a lot of radio stations actually refused to play the pill. Oh. oh, I have no doubt. But all the controversy surrounding the song got it a lot of attention and it went to the top of the charts anyway. Also, I believe it was recorded in 1972. Wow. But it was not released until 1975 because of all the controversy surrounding it. We need to put this in the vault for a couple years in the Disney vault next to all those (laughs) DVDs that we won't release. (laughs) (laughs) But despite the fact that Loretta was a devout Christian, it kind of put her on their shit list. So she was kind of on like the, the... conservative christian shitless for yeah. a while and it's and... interesting to me because she's such a devout christian she was a devout christian but she was also pretty progressive yeah. i don't know where she got that from yeah it just it it had to just have come from her naturally feisty demeanor yeah she was very feisty she had no problem speaking her mind no problem telling you where the fuck you can go if she (laughs) if you pissed her off and like and i think her relationship with do kind of influenced that oh maybe you know she he beat on her but she didn't take it lying down she beat the shit out of him too i don't man i don't know I couldn't really tell you why she was so interested in showing women's people lib. in in women's but that's the thing she wasn't interested in women's lib. She very much did not want to be called a feminist. She huh. did not want to be associated with the women's liberation movement. She wanted nothing to do with it. She didn't want to be considered, you know, um a trailblazer for women or anything. She really liked the idea of being like a influence for other female country artists Mm -hmm. and she really liked mentoring them and stuff but she never wanted to be part of that movement she never she never wanted that she only insisted that she just wrote songs and sang songs about things that spoke to her and her and things that happened in her life Mm -hmm. she didn't want anything to do with women's liberation huh which is kind of weird it's it's she's such a weird person I in it, that sense. There's definitely 
there's taboo, and I'm sure back then it was even worse, surrounding those right. topics. Because there are extremes to everything, and I, the extremes are what gets talked about. And then you don't want to be associated with those extremes. Right. So it was probably easier for her to be like, look, I'm just singing my songs. Get off my dick. Right. Right, right. So. Now, you can't talk about Loretta Lynn's hits without, of course, talking about Conway Twitty. Ladies and gentlemen. Conway Twitty. Mr. Conway Twitty. <laughs> As we learned at the Country Music Hall of Fame, duos were like the bread and butter to the com- country community. I really want bread and butter now. Right? My God. I want bread and butter pickles. But this was especially true for the 1970s. Dolly Parton and Porter Wagoner, Tammy Wynette and George Jones. Mm -hmm. The duets these pairs would sing were immensely popular. Yeah. None more so than the songs Loretta and Conway sang together. They had five consecutive number one hits between 1971 and 1975. And for four consecutive years, they were named the Country Duo of the Year by the Country Music Association. Everyone loved them so much that they were voted the number one duet every year for 10 straight years by the Music City News readers. Move over, Johnny and June. Yeah. You got Loretta and Conway up in here. Yeah, they beat out Johnny and June a lot. That's crazy. Because I don't think... I'm not a huge music, country music fan, mm-hmm. but I am going to say it. You hear about Johnny and June. I feel like I don't really know anything about Conway and Loretta. Well, honestly, I don't really know a whole lot about Tammy Wynette and George Jones. Yeah, that's true. Or Dolly and Porter. I know. So. At least I knew more about Dolly and Porter than I knew about the other two. Yeah, Dolly and Porter were really popular. Yeah. Especially because Dolly Parton was so fucking popular at that point. Yeah. Well, and that's why she wrote I Will Always Love You. Right. So that's why everybody knows that song. Right. So, yeah. Just, I think that's funny that they beat out Johnny and June so much. But you know everybody yeah. knows about Johnny and June. Yeah. And also, I kind of feel like maybe Loretta and Conway came across, despite Loretta's controversial status, her and Conway, I think, maybe came across a little bit more wholesome than Johnny and June. Well, because they weren't actually together. They weren't together, but they had this chemistry Mm. on stage that a lot of people noticed. I guess. And they were Nashville's favorite professional duo, and of course, everyone tried to make them a duo offstage. Oh. Because they had such great chemistry on stage, rumors constantly flew that Loretta and Conway were sneaking around behind their partner's backs, and Conway's fans even blamed Loretta for his first marriage failing. Oh. It's not Conway's fault. It's, it's Loretta's fault. Of course. It's Come always the fuck Loretta, on. Right? Yes. Stop it. Well, Dew would often get jealous of Conway, even though they were good friends, which led to many a domestic dispute between him and Loretta. Ugh. Of course. Cool. But the 80s started off with a bang for Loretta. Her autobiography, Coal Miner's Daughter, was turned into a movie of the same name, starring Sissy Spacek as Loretta and Tommy Lee Jones as Dew. Huh. It was met with huge success, garnering a ton of awards and nominations, including a Grammy nomination and a Best Actress Academy Award for Sissy Spacek. Y'all, I appreciate me some Sissy Spacek. She sang all the songs in there. That's awesome. And Beverly D'Angelo played Patsy Cline, and she sang her own songs. I really want to see this movie! Yeah, it was really good. I actually watched it again today. Oh! and uh, Is it on Netflix? No, it's not on anything. I had to actually rent it from Amazon Prime. Oh my god! But I like, still have the rent. Be three dollars. You're like, god damn yeah. it! 
but I need to watch it, so fine, All I right. guess. I the movie is really good. Yeah. And they do fictionalize some things. Yeah, of course they do. For a very long time, Loretta told everybody that she married Dew when she was 13. Oh. Subsequent research has figured out that she was actually 15, almost 16, when she married Dew. Oh, well, that makes it fine then. It does. I don't know what the big deal is. It actually does because Mm -hmm. the legal age of consent in Kentucky was 14. I don't know. I still don't think that makes it fine. It, it can doesn't. I, can I say that I'm still not comfortable legally, with this? Legally, it's fine. But like, in in deep down inside our souls, it's not Ooh, fine. no. It's no. not fine. Especially because like 21, the difference between 21 and 15 is immense. Oh, yeah. When, when you come from that kind of oh. town and that kind of community. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, they were both still kids, but she was way more a kid than she Dew was. She like was a kid. Like, and he was like, I'm a kid. Like, Dew served in World War II. He's seen shit. Yeah, he's not a kid anymore. Yeah, no. She's still trying to sell pies at the fucking social. I still want some pie. <laughs> but the celebrations didn't last for too long. Oh. Tragically, Loretta and Dew's eldest son, Jack, died unexpectedly in August of 1984. Oh, no. Jack, who was 34 at the time, was out riding his horse on the Lynn's family estate in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. In the evening sometime, Jack and his horse tried to cross the sometimes treacherous Duck River that runs through the property, but they didn't make it. Several days later, a search party found the horse beneath the river bluff and Jack's body was in the water nearby. The same morning that Jack's body was found, before Loretta or Dew got the news about their son's death, Loretta was on her tour bus rolling through Illinois. When someone went to ask Loretta if she wanted some coffee, they found her unconscious in the back of the bus. She was rushed to the hospital where she was treated for a quote-unquote exhaustion. You... It's never exhaustion. It's drugs. It's usually drugs. It's drugs. It's always drugs, guys. (laughs) But this time, it very well could have been exhaustion. Oh. This lady never stopped touring. Right. She ran herself fucking ragged constantly. And that's how she made her money was with touring. And she loved doing it. That's how everybody... Still, that is how people make their money. Yeah. You don't make money selling records anymore. You make money touring. The record companies make money selling your records. You make money touring and And selling selling merch. merch. (laughs) That's it. And that's why tickets are so fucking expensive to shows now. If you're you're a big time artist, if you want to go see a big time show, you're paying out your nose for that. Yeah. And honestly, they don't see a whole lot from that. Yeah. From those ticket sales. But Loretta would tour 200 days a year, every year, even though it meant spending a lot of time away from her family. Oh my gosh. And side note on her family, she has such a country family, I can't stand it. (laughs) She had her, so she had twins. Her last two children were twins. They were born in 1964. By the time she was pregnant with her twins, her eldest daughter was also pregnant. So... She and her eldest daughter were pregnant at the same time. So Loretta, Loretta Lynn was a hot grandma. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Good job. Um, also, when one of her twins was 15, she eloped. Whoa. 
which is pretty much what Loretta did too. Oh, when she was fifteen. Yeah. So Loretta was also a grandmother by the time she was thirty-two. Great grandmother by the time she was in her. By the time she was like fifty. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. That's. She got a country family. Wow. Granted, I understand. My great uncle was younger than my dad. So my grandmother and my great grandmother were pregnant at the same time. Oh my God, that's so And then weird. my grandmother had my dad and then my great grandmother had my great uncle. Wow. <laughs> he was like a few months younger than my dad. Crazy, right? Yeah. It's world country. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or real Irish, even. Because in my family, we've got a lot of weird age gaps like that, too. Yeah. It's so weird. But it's like... I arguably could have been... I arguably could have been pregnant when my sister was pregnant. Yeah. Or, like, my sister could have been pregnant when my mom was pregnant. Yeah. You know? That's creepy. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, thank you. But it was the 80s, and that shit knocked the fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we lived in New York. That wasn't really how we did things. That we do things in New York. Yes. <laughs> oh. Oh, we're bougie. Bougie New York. New York. Yes. Oh. Except my family's from New York and that totally happens, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Try and counts. Mm. I guess technically my family's from Massachusetts. Oh. oh, gross. Yeah, I know. Things happen. It's fine. <laughs> so she would end up spending a lot of time away from her family and it also meant crazy schedules, hundreds of performances, and demanding fans at every turn. So it's no wonder that Loretta ended up in the hospital over a dozen times over the years for an array of medical reasons, wow. including migraines, ulcers, high blood pressure. She even started passing out on stage. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. It also caused her to have an addiction of her own to prescription pills. Huh. Although she denies it, others have confirmed that she was addicted to Valium. Wow. But with the help of a psychiatrist and a stint in Nashville's Parkview Hospital, she was able to overcome the addiction. I am such a weird addiction, I feel like. Although I was Valium? on it once when I got my LASIK done. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Well, it makes you feel good. Oh, my right? God. I was... I, they have to clamp your eyes when you get LASIK done. Oh, yeah. Now you have the... And they some basically said orange to me... Fucked up it shit. is. And they basically said to me, you're going to go blind for about 10 seconds... And I did. And I just sat there and thought, huh, I should be freaking out right now. This is fine. <laughs> and I got out of the surgery and I was talking to our friend Mora who picked me up. And I'm like, it's fine. This is all fine. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, you're good. And then when the volume wears off. You're like, oh my God. If you've ever gotten <laughs> any kind of like LASIK, PKR or whatever. Once the drugs wear off, it feels like someone took sand and sunscreen and lit it on fire and rubbed it in your eyes. Oh my God, I can't. And I, can't I started deal with that. screaming in her car when it all wore <laughs> off. It's fine. I cannot deal with like a piece of fuzz in my in my eyeballs. No. But nope. it was worth it to wake up 20 hours later and have perfect vision, yeah. to which I still have today. I'm glad my eyesight is not bad. Yeah, I had, I had bad enough eyesight to get Yikes. LASIK. But the point is, yeah, I felt real good on Valium, so I guess I can't <laughs> see why you'd get addicted yeah. to Valium. Especially when, like, you're constantly on the fucking go. I guess my my theory was because, you know, you have Johnny Cash who's addicted to amphetamines. Mm-hmm. 
that you'd want that perk, that energy, but Valium kind of chills you the fuck. But out. her thing was that she was up when oh. she was performing. So she didn't need the upper. She, she needed, needed the downer. downer. Yes. Oh, okay. She needed to sleep and she couldn't sleep. So she started taking Valium to help with that. Nice. Good yes. idea. Maybe. <laughs> 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 but, you know. All of this shit going on with her son dying and then this addiction to Valium and all this shit. Like we mentioned before, Loretta's way of overcoming grief and hardship is to stay busy. Mm -hmm. She continued to release albums and tour throughout the 80s, producing top hit after top hit. She became the first woman in country music to have 50 top 10 hits. 50! What? 50! That's... Yeah. I think that's pretty high for most... For solo anybody, women. Period. Or, yeah, just most solo artists to anybody. Yeah. 50 is a fucking lot. Yeah. In the latter part of the 80s, she toured nonstop like she always had. And by the early 90s, she recorded an album called Honky Tonk Angels <laughs> with Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette. Oh. It sounds really cute. I yeah. haven't listened to this yet. I but saw I that would... on Amazon Music this morning. I was gonna listen to it, but I figured I should listen to her classics yeah. first. Yeah. Oh, man. She was also working on another autobiography and had another album in the pipeline and had a slew of tour dates lined up. Slew of tours. <laughs> but she needed to start slowing down a bit. She didn't want to, but she had to because Dew's health was declining dramatically. Huh. So in the early You think it's the moonshine? Could be. Maybe it's all the beatings he suffered at the hands of Loretta. Well, maybe you shouldn't raise your fist to her and you won't have to fucking take it. Maybe. Bitch. <laughs> so in the early 90s, she stopped recording and focused more on touring. By this time, she had so many hit singles under her belt and her popularity never really waned. So she could afford to coast on her established catalog and didn't feel pressure to record anything new. So is it that I just don't know shit about country music? Because I'm so surprised to hear how active these country music singers were, how much they were putting out, how much they were touring, how much, how many hits they had. Because I figure like by the time you hit the 80s, 90s, you've got like this synth, this new wave, you've got grunge, you've got rock, you've got hair metal. But the late 80s, early 90s was when the new age of country got really popular. I only know this because for a very brief period of my life, I was really into country music. Oh. Remember when Billy Ray Cyrus was like hot shit for a hot second? Yeah. With achy breaky heart. I wanted to achy breaky bash my face in. So did everybody in America. Good. <laughs> but that was, he <laughs> was, he was an anomaly. Right. He somehow took that country song and broke it out into the mainstream. Right. Meanwhile, there was this whole thing going on in the country music scene at that time that nobody else was aware of besides country music fans. Mm. It was like a, another resurgence. Of, was it like the Garth Brooks stuff? And... Yes. It was when Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood, that's People it. like... Martina McBride. Martina McBride. Yeah. Shania Twain was starting to, to make a name for herself. All, out a little. Yeah. This was when they all first started. Oh, that's a good point. So because there was this weird, like, mini resurgence of... Um, these new guys? Of these new guys in the 80s and 90s, 
people were still paying attention to Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton. And that's why they were still putting out all of these albums and touring so much. And people were still showing up for them because people never forgot them, but there was a renewed interest in them. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And that's why she could coast on just touring and, you know, popping in here and there with some other famous country name. Yeah. If she shows up with, in like a Trisha Yearwood concert, people are like, oh, shit. Right. Trisha Yearwood and Loretta Lynn. Right. I gotta go to this. Oh, and Reba McIntyre. How could we oh, forget oh, Reba yeah, McIntyre? McIntyre? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I fucking love Reba McIntyre. Fancy. Fancy. <laughs> Don't let me down, fancy. So although her career was stable and she was now a legend in the country world, her personal life was falling apart. Mm. In 1992, Dew underwent quadruple bypass surgery. That's a lot of druples. That's that's all the quads. That's all the it's druples. All the quads. That's all the druples. All the quads, all the druples. My God. <laughs> that's intense. They also found out he was diabetic, and eventually oh. he would have both of his feet amputated. <gasps> and then... After that, both legs up to his knees were taken as well. <gasps> That's diabetes. <laughs> That's not just the beatus. That's diabetes. That's... That's you're dying, beatus. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but that was good. But yeah, that it was, is. It's your dying, beatus. Christ. Like, how late did they catch this? Did he not stop? He had no idea. No idea. Was it the moonshine? I think he was kind of just too drunk to even think about it. Or was just going so much. Like, he was going as much as Loretta was. Like, that's the shit I'm scared of with, like, my PCOS is that I'm just going to one day find out I have diabetes and they need to cut off all my digits. Just your feet. It's because of a a big lack of circulation. And it's your feet that don't get the circulation because they're all the way at the end of your body. So they're not getting the blood that they need to... to. suck feet. Feet fucking suck. So while her husband was sick and slowly dying, Loretta suffered many other losses in the meantime. Her dear friend Conway Twitty would die unexpectedly at only 59 years old in June 1993. Only a month later, her older brother Melvin would pass away, and her younger brother Jay Lee would pass only a couple years later on July 31st, 1996. As if that wasn't enough, Dew would pass away only a few weeks later, succumbing to complications from diabetes and heart failure. He was only five days shy of his 70th birthday. Wow. Loretta said that after Dew died, she became numb. She lost all track of time, and it seems like she had a solid few years of grieving. You have to remember, Dew was more than just her husband. This was the man she was with for 48 years, since she was 15 years old. The only man she was ever in a relationship with, the father of her six children, and grandfather and great-grandfather to a large population of Lynn's. He was her manager, her entire support system, and very much a father figure to her. Her own father passed away in 1959 at the age of 53, so he never got to see her be a success. But Dew, despite the fact that he was a total wife beater, was there supporting her until his dying day. Damn, like, that is... Nope, I'm polarized. Right. I'm with you. I want to hate him. 
But it, I, I'm really surprised that they stayed together. I was waiting for you to say that they got divorced. No. I was waiting for it. Never. I can't believe they stayed together. Yeah. And she was Cannot never, believe it. She never had any relationships after that. After him. Do, I, do you think she had, like, extramarital affairs? Like, I want to be like, girl, you could get it. What are you doing? But it doesn't seem like that was... Sh- that, that she was that kind like, of person. I know. That's the thing, is I could also see her... N- but and th- I don't think she would give due the satisfaction of being, like, allowing him to have extramarital affairs, but then having one herself. Right? And, like, there, there's a part of me that's like, but girl, you could get it, and, like... Oh, yeah. She you, was beautiful. And, and like, you you deserve better. I get it. Like, I, I don't get it, actually. You know what? <laughs> I don't get I d- it. I don't either. I, but- I mean, I understand he was supporting you and he was your manager, but you could have gone off and done your own thing. He right. was a drunk, and you were just... You, it was all you. Yeah. And he pushed you. Yes, he did the initial push, but she could have just... I'm... Huh. You're having an existential crisis right now, aren't you? I need a minute. You're like me with our fucking David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar episode where I couldn't justify David Lee Roth. I just can't comprehend. You're better than that. You didn't have to stay with him. She didn't have to, but for some reason she, she did. did. And, like, it's admirable, but at the same time, I'm like, but you could have done better. But at the same time, he would beat the shit out of you all the time. Right? But and I know I he would it. beat him back, but and is I that get... really fun? Right. And is that really worth it? Right? You should, you could be with somebody that doesn't do that is at all. Is Stockholm Syndrome? I don't like, know. What? I, <sighs> I think it's a combination of religious beliefs. Okay. And the way that she was brought up. Okay. And... The culture that she was in. I guess. Like, you don't leave your man. Stand by your man. That wasn't her song, though. That was Tammy Wynette. That was Tammy Wynette. <laughs> I know that. But they were good friends. So, you know. It's more. It's more. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What? Legit. For the past, like, over an hour, I've been waiting for you to be like, and then they get divorced. Yeah. But also, he was very much a father figure to her. So there was this weird, like, daddy daughter dynamic mm. that they had that she mm. never really had with her own father yo i'm like can i say this i am really glad i don't have daddy issues yeah like it, out of anything that i'm glad i don't have it's daddy issues i'm glad that i don't have the marital or the uh maternal switch yep and i don't have daddy issues yeah i'm good to go yeah <laughs> but yeah like i'm sure that was a a big part of it too because he was her father figure and she would do whatever he said wow. so if you if you're gonna be with your dad for the rest of his life so you do what he says i guess i don't know it's uh, weird that's weird <laughs> but <laughs> this was one time loretta didn't deal with her grief by immediately going back to work hmm. in fact she didn't do much for the next several years she finally started to take it easy. She didn't release another album until 2000's Still Country. It didn't do nearly as well as her previous efforts, but it garnered critical acclaim nonetheless. Two years later, she published her second autobiography called Still Woman Enough, <laughs> in which she chronicled a lot of the domestic abuse she suffered at the hands of Dew, oh. but also the abuse she hurled back at him. Interesting. A couple years later, in 2004, she released her 39th album, Van Leer Rose, a collaboration with Jack White. 39th? 39th. What? But 
Mind you, back in the yeah, 60s and the 50s, and like, their albums, it was like two, three a year. And their albums were just usually a handful of songs. It wasn't yeah. like a full LP the way it is right. now. Right, you could maybe get 10 songs on a record, maybe yeah. if you were lucky. Released when she was 72 years old, it was easily... Van Leer Rose was easily the most successful and most praised album of her career, crossing seamlessly between country and alternative rock. I need to listen to that. Any listener can tell that it was a true collaboration between Loretta and Jack, both bringing their respective influences to the table and interweaving them into something old school country fans and modern rock lovers would both fall in love with. Wow. It is so good. I, yeah. If you are a fan of Jack White or the White Stripes, you're going to love it. Okay. Even if you don't like country, you're going to love it. The songs are very Loretta, but also very Jack. Oh, man. I'm going to have to listen to this tomorrow. It has a lot of really catchy tunes. They're like, they're the short to the point with a catchy little little melody or a catchy tune. Huh. But they have the guitar-driven modern rock feel that very much defines uh, Jack White and right. everything that he does. It's like if Loretta Lynn was um, doing country songs with the raconteurs. Oh. Yeah. Huh. It's really good. I really, I need to try that. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting how in the 2000s you have these, I mean, basically like, I don't know, hip young producer types who were coming into the country music scene like, hey, hey, I got you, boo. Yeah. They're just pulling them up like, hey, hey, come on. Come on, you got a little bit more in you. I know you do. Shout out to Rick Rubin. <laughs> Rick Rubin! It's Rubin time! <laughs> but she gained a whole new fan base with this album, thanks not only to her talents as a songwriter, but also because Jack White produced the shit out of this album. Oh, yeah. He, just whatever you think about Jack White, like, he can produce the shit out of an album. Yeah, I mean. He's very talented. I think Jack White and Josh Homme are two of, the best producers to like be around right Right now now. for alternative rock i agree yeah but this wasn't even the end of her career she released another album called full circle in 2015 and will be releasing her newest album wouldn't it be great at the end of this month it would be great it would be great (laughs) wouldn't it be great is actually the first in a series of five albums loretta has planned to release in the next few years it's produced by her daughter Patsy and John Carter Cash. Is isn't she like in her eighties? She's eighty. She was born in thirty two, so yeah, she's eighty six. Same year as Johnny she's, Cash. She's almost eighty six. And she has five albums planned to release in the next few years. Holy shit, woman! Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but wouldn't it be great? Is produced by her daughter Patsy and John Carter Cash. Yeah. Son of Johnny and June, Mm -hmm. and is a mixture of new songs and new versions of previously recorded songs. For this first session, for this first album, she recorded 93 songs. 93! And that's not even like scratching the surface of what she wants to record. And she even said she might do a new version of Coal Miner's Daughter. Because when she originally brought it into the studio to record it... It was really long. She had to cut out four verses. Holy shit. So somehow those verses have been lost. Right. They Like she said, she left them at the studio. Yeah. She doesn't know what happened to them, but she might be able to remember them or write new ones and record a new version of that song. 
So Wow. It was just before the original release date for Wouldn't It Be Great when Loretta herself suffered some serious medical setbacks. Mm. In July of last year, Loretta had a stroke, mm. which at a woman mm. her age it usually spells like that's it. Yeah. Done. But she recovered. Wow. So the release date of the album was pushed to early 2018 and all tour dates were canceled so she could recover. Mm-hmm. But more setbacks arose when Loretta fell and fractured her hip in January oh, no. of this year, further pushing the rele- release date back. Yeah. But now it's supposed to come out at the end of this month. And four more after that. Wow, woman. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's... And Loretta is still alive. Yeah. She is not dead, as most people think. <laughs> you She's know, when I still alive. Her, like, Loretta Lynn death, I thought, I thought she was still alive. Yeah. Whenever I typed Loretta Lynn into Google, it would auto-finish as when did Loretta Lynn die? Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's not dead. She's still alive. Google, <laughs> I know she's not dead. You're fucking with yeah, me. Yeah, she's not dead. She's still kicking. It's fine. But she never fucking stopped touring. Wow. Period. So the only thing left to talk about, which is another thing that really confuses me about Loretta, <laughs> okay. is um, while she... I don't think she ever really sided herself with any political party. Right. She very much usually supports the Republican presidential candidate. Which I could understand. I get it. Yeah, that's just kind of your it's your brand. I understand. Um, and most recently, she supported Donald Trump for president. Okay. So I'm trying hard. Well, I did get she it. support him during the election? Yes. I'm willing to let that go. Because I don't, know what, I don't know what her opinions of him now are. Exactly. Look, I don't fucking hold nothing against nobody from 2016. It was a weird year. It was a rough <laughs> year. You did Get what you it. thought you had to do. However, your opinions now matter a lot more to me. Right. So. So I don't know what her opinions now are. I think she was one of those people that is just happy to be um, playing for any president. Yeah. She played for the Obamas. Yep. And she met the Obamas, dined with them and everything. And I'm sure she loved it. She sure liked them. She's friends with the Clintons. Yeah. And performed for the Clintons. But she was also a huge supporter of George Bush. Right. Well, especially with senior, people were very... And very much junior as well. Yeah. So... Until until 2008, when I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> huh. Oh, okay. Our economy kind of went down to the shitter, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Oh. oh, gee. I guess Bush huh. wasn't great. Oh, geez, Rick. Oh, jeez, oh, Rick. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's Loretta up till now. Damn. She's crazy. She has had a career... Since she was about 21 years old. and right. she's, And she's still going. So she's 80. Let's say she's 86. That's so 60, that's a 75 years. No, 65 years. 65 years. Did I do that? I don't know. I think I did that. Because 21. Yes. 60, 65. 65 years. Wow. But still, that's longer than her marriage. Uh-huh. Longer than most of her kids have been alive. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. Wow. 
She's a really fascinating lady. I need to A, watch Coal Miner's Daughter, and then B, I need to listen to her album with Jack White. Yeah. I have homework, as do you kids listening at home. Fair warning, Coal Miner's Daughter is a really good uh, movie. Sissy Spacek is fantastic in it. However, it very much glosses over the abuse. Of course. And all that shit. There is only like two times in the entire movie where they show any kind of abuse going on oh what a a movie about a celebrity and it glosses over their shittier parts yeah right no way Uh, (laughs) but for the most part it's pretty it's pretty accurate to her her life and of course it only goes up to 19 like 70 what 75 or something um because it it only it was released in 1980 so it only goes up through when she wrote the her first autobiography (sighs) Still, that's really cool, though. That girl, still going. Yeah. It's amazing. And despite the questionable things, like the, the marriage and yeah. and stuff like that, I still think she's pretty instrumental in ladies getting their grooves on. Yeah. No, i kind of mad because I feel like we don't talk about her enough as far as women musicians. Yeah. But granted, she doesn't want to be talked about as a feminist icon or anything. I get it, but she's still gonna be. She's still gonna be, whether <laughs> she likes it or, not. Like it or not. Here, I've discovered something with people is that they're gonna make you into something, whether you want to be that yeah. something or not. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. So. We're sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But you're yes. a feminist icon, whether you like it or not. You did it, girl. Whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> proud of you. We yeah. are. I am proud of her. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm really excited about that story. I'm mm-hmm. really glad I heard it. Thanks for telling it. You're welcome. I liked it. That was nice. And thank you kids for sitting around and listening to us gab and swear and talk about cool musicians. We appreciate it. And lady boners. Lady boners. Oh my god. Give me that dick. <laughs> Baby rabbit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gross. Well, uh, well, if you like what you hear, if you like our terrible, terrifying <laughs> jokes... And stories that we tell you, please go rate and review us on iTunes. That would be phenom. And you can just, you know, I think you can rate and review us on like Stitcher or other things too. Whatever. Just like go tell everybody how awesome we are. We like listeners. Yeah. If you can rate us on shit, rate us. Yeah. If you can tell your grandma to listen to us, tell her. I think she'd be offended, but. <laughs> she, hey, you might have a cool grandma. You might have a hot grandma. You don't know. There's a good tagline. Cool grandmas. Listen to us. Yeah. Grandmas would like us. Cool grandmas. <laughs> yes. And you can also follow us on the things on Instagram and Facebook at Rock Candy Podcast and Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And our website is www.rockcandypodcast.com. There's still a little bit of time left. At the end of the month, we're going to pick out four topics to talk about for November from our wonderful listeners. So if yeah. you have anything, please DM us. Let us know what you want to hear. We want to know what you want us to talk Which about. Is bananas because we've gotten some real good suggestions. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a tough. tough it's choice. gonna be a tough choice. It's gonna be real Sophie's choice. Wait, is that what Sophie's choice is? Sophie, That's not what Sophie's choice is. Sophie's was choice is a tough choice. <laughs> okay. Yes. Cool. I'll explain it to you later. Cool. <laughs> I drink a lot. <laughs> anyway, with that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.